With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash acquire. That's linkedin.com slash acquire. Terms and conditions apply. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to the Caixin Seneca Business Brief, brought to you by SupChina. Each week, we bring you a roundup from the world of business in China from Caixin, China's authority on business and financial news, as well as interviews with Caixin Global reporters and editors. I'm Kaiser Guo from the Seneca Podcast. Missed you all while I was on holiday last week, but we're back in the studio with a cracker of a show, bringing nothing but the most exciting business news from China straight to you. We'll be talking about how Beijing authorities have done a U-turn on so-called quarantine bracelets following a lot of backlash online. Also, Hong Kong has busted a sham marriage syndicate, and Tencent is letting go of staff at its NFT platform. Without further ado, here's what's been going down in China's business scene in the past seven days. Several neighborhoods in Beijing have retrieved COVID-19 monitors they gave out to residents in home quarantine. That's after online criticism of the requirement to wear the temperature gauges during isolation gained considerable traction. The use of the bracelets for uninfected residents in quarantine has sparked an outcry online with many criticizing it as an infringement of people's rights and data privacy and an excessive measure. The backlash comes after social media users based in Beijing posted on Weibo about how they were ordered by the neighborhood committees to wear electronic bracelets whilst self-isolating. One Weibo user said that the devices can monitor both the user's body temperature and whereabouts. However, following the uproar online, it seems neighborhood committees in Beijing have done a U-turn on using such bracelets. The news comes amidst growing concerns over data privacy in China's COVID-19 playbook. As we previously reported on the show, the health code system was recently abused by Hunan officials to prevent people from withdrawing money from ailing local banks. The health code system is a digital tool used by local authorities to track people's whereabouts to control the pandemic. In other COVID-related news, A senior health official says that all of China's top state leaders have been vaccinated against the coronavirus with domestically developed jabs. Zheng Yixin, the deputy head of the National Health Commission, said at a Saturday briefing that this, quote, shows the leader's confidence in Chinese vaccines, although the vaccinated leaders were not identified by name. The national health authorities also denied claims that inactivated vaccines were outdated especially 
when compared to newer mRNA vaccine technology. One official said that the two kinds of vaccine technologies should not be distinguished simply by which was more advanced. Moving on to some energy news, where there's been a lot of development, Russia has surpassed Saudi Arabia as the largest crude oil supplier to China over the past two months. The news comes as Western sanctions, due to Moscow's war on Ukraine, dragged down prices of its petroleum exports. Last month, China imported 7.3 million tons of crude oil from Russia, up 9.5% from the same period in 2021. Oil imports jumped almost 55% year-on-year to 8.4 million tons in May. Oil imports from Russia in May and June were 7.7% and 44% higher, respectively, than those from Saudi Arabia. As a reminder, the European Union imposed a partial embargo on Russian crude oil and petroleum products, saying that the sanctions would cut off around two-thirds of Russian oil supplies to Europe and Asia, mainly India and China. Some analysts have estimated that Asian importers would take advantage of the opportunity to secure discounted crude oil from Russia, although they are not able to absorb all of seaborne exports it previously sent to Europe. Tensions between the world's two biggest economies are once again simmering. Chinese ambassador to the United States, Qin Gong, blasted Washington for, quote, hollowing out and blurring up the One China Principle. In particular, the Chinese envoy criticized the U.S. for sending high-level officials and selling sophisticated weapons to Taiwan and making ambiguous remarks regarding military defense of the island. Speaking at the 13th Aspen Security Forum, Qin called Taiwan the most sensitive issue in U.S.-China relations. That's especially after U.S. Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi's reported plan to visit the island prompted the Chinese foreign ministry last week to vow so-called resolute and strong measures if the trip should take place next month. The Chinese ambassador also told the forum that Beijing is seeking the, quote, peaceful reunification of Taiwan and discussed so-called. The Chinese ambassador also told the forum that Beijing is seeking the, quote, peaceful reunification of of Taiwan, and discussed China's so-called non-alliance relationship with Russia. In major business news, Tencent is laying off staff at its NFT purchase and collection platform, Huanhe. Caixin learned the news from sources close to the Chinese internet giant. The move comes amid intensified regulatory scrutiny over transactions in the tokens that aim to provide proof of ownership of digital assets, such as works of art. Huanhe has only been operating since August 2021. Sources said the platform is also adjusting its development strategy to avoid regulatory risks. Other sources familiar with the matter said that Tencent is still pursuing its plan to roll out an international version of Huanhe. NFTs are immutable pieces of data tracked on the blockchain. The market for them has exploded around the world over the past two years. In China, tech giants have jumped on the bandwagon, issuing their own NFTs that are mainly based on major popular intellectual property 
such as music and art. It's also been a pretty bad week for Didi. China's cyberspace regulator announced that it will fine the ride-sharing company 8 billion yuan, or around $1.2 billion. That's for breaking national security, cybersecurity, data security, and personal information protection laws. The regulator said that Didi committed in total 16 violations, including illegally collecting facial recognition information. The regulator also slapped Didi chairman Cheng Wei and President Liu Qing, each with 1 million yuan fines for their roles in the misconduct that led to the violations. The announcement raises the key question of whether the penalty signals the end of the government's one-year investigation into the ride-hailing giant, which led the company to delist from the New York Stock Exchange in June. And finally, a pretty bizarre story from Hong Kong. A city district court has sentenced the ringleader of a gang that arranged more than 150 fake cross-border marriages to almost three years in prison. That's a longer term than usual due to the seriousness and extent of their criminal activities. The main culprits, 45-year-old male Chen Jingwei, who was identified as the mastermind, and 52-year-old female Shi Yunping each received sentences of 33 months. Their gang arranged the fake marriages for Chinese mainlanders, thus allowing them to obtain visas and the right of abode in Hong Kong. The syndicate was active between 2014 and 2018, racking up around $1.3 million in illegal profits. Among the 164 arrests made by the Special Investigation Section of the Immigration Departments, 126 were Hong Kong residents. These included college students and nurses as young as 19 years old at the time who wanted to make quick cash, the investigation found. The rest were from the Chinese mainland. Let's turn now to Zhang Yukun, Caixin Global's financial news reporter. Welcome, Yukun. Well, thanks for having me here. So, Yukun, you've been following the whole banking scandal in Henan province, uh, and it's a pretty complicated affair. Can you help lay it out for our listeners? What is this all about exactly? So, back in April, um, customers of six village banks, four in Henan and two in Anhui province, found out that these banks had suspended online services and they couldn't withdraw their savings. One customer called the police in Xuchang, a city in Henan, and was told that these banks were connected with, a, with an investment firm, also in Henan, called Xinxaifu Group. The police were investigating Xinxaifu because of suspected illegal deposit taking, so withdrawal services were suspended. So these customers waited and waited for over two months and still couldn't access their savings. And then on Sunday, July the 10th, they gathered in front of the Henan office of the central bank and protested. There were some violent clashes between protesters and what looked like security men. Um, the next day, local financial regulators announced a plan for bank customers to, who saved less than 50,000 yuan in one bank to get their money back. And in recent weeks, uh, local financial regulators announced plans for bank customers who saved less than 100,000 yuan in one bank to get their money back. China Banking and Insurance Regulatory Commission said in a recent interview with the media that the announcement of the plan to reimburse savers had nothing to do with the 
quote mass visitations end quote event on July the tenth. Okay, so they didn't describe these as protests, but used the word mass visitations.、Hmm? Yes, and Cai Xin has previously learned from sources that the village banks in this case attracted huge amounts of deposits by offering high interest rates or cash rewards to customers across the country through online banking. So a lot of these customers are from rich provinces in southern and eastern China. So it seems that there were quite a number of actors involved in these scandals,、uh, including some really unsavory characters,、uh, gangsters, as they've been described in some outlets. And there were the village banks themselves.、Uh, what roles did they each play? Do you remember the city that we talked about,、uh, Xuchang? Sure.、Uh, according to Xuchang police, the person behind the scandal is a businessman called Lu Yi. He allegedly controlled Xincai Fu Group. And led a criminal gang. This gang gained stakes in several village banks through their own vehicles and affiliates, and manipulated bank executives. They attracted deposits and sold financial products through money brokers online, illegally transferred funds by issuing fake loans, and set up an IT company to alter or delete data and conceal information. And that was all from police announcements. Besides that. Caixin learned from sources that Lu Yi is a 48-year-old Henan native. He controls many Henan rural lenders through his affiliates, and has businesses in regions including Beijing, Shenzhen, and the province of Jiangsu. Lu Yi often provides loans to companies and then helps them raise money, sometimes illicitly, from other financial institutions to repay existing debts. The police said they've made two rounds of arrests in relation to the the scandal. But they didn't say whether Lu Yi has been detained. Okay, so then another big question: Why did the banks freeze customer withdrawals? Well, officially, we still don't know. All we have is what the police told the customer that the banks froze withdrawals because there was an investigation into Xincai Fu Group, and Xincai Fu was connected to all those banks. All right, then. Great to talk to you, and、uh, thank you, Yuquan. You're welcome. And that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. The Caixin Seneca Business Brief is produced by Kaiser Guo and Nanini Vincata, with stories from the staff of Caixin Global. Special thanks to Li Xin of Caixin Global. Thanks to Spring and Autumn for the music. Check out some of the other great podcasts on the Seneca Network, like the amazing China in Africa podcast and China Corner Office. And for daily news and views, make sure to subscribe to SubChina Access for the daily newsletter. Find us at subchina.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Take care.